Hello. We're back from our break, uh, refreshed and ready to go. You are going to just be head over heels for the episode you're about to listen to. It's so good. But before we get into it, I have a couple things to say. First off, thanks to our patrons, you may be noticing that the quality of my recording right now is a little bit better than the quality in the episode that's to follow, and that's because I was able to upgrade my microphone to a better one. So thanks so much to everyone who has supported our podcast, which also includes those of you who have made donations to us. We often forget to thank you, but we are so grateful to all of you. Um, next thing. Oh my goodness. We just launched a sticker club where if you join once a month, you will receive an exclusive sticker designed by me or Theo or Jesse. It's going to be really fucking fun and great. You can join directly from our shop, which is at thegailyprofit.com slash shop. However, we can only make this a reality if we get 50 members by November 30th, because 50 is the smallest quantity of stickers we can order at once. So please do go join right now. It's going to be like really fucking fantastic. I can't even tell you how excited I am. And if you join and it doesn't end up becoming a reality, you will still get a sticker and you will only pay for the one month. So it's a no risk, all reward, no matter what. So that's cool. And lastly, I just want to give a brief content warning. When Sarah brings up the Dementors kiss in the editorial section, if you feel uncomfortable with talking about power play and sex, you will want to skip ahead about six minutes. So just be on the lookout for that. The whole conversation is very much framed in the context of consent. Uh, But I know that even with that, some folks don't feel comfortable thinking about or talking about that dynamic. So I just wanted everyone to be prepared that that's there. So yeah, with that, let's get into this just incredible gift of an episode. The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled, and that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about Harry Potter. Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches read Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin Dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke Extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about Chapter 20, The Dementor's Kiss, in which everyone leaves the Shrieking Shack and then eight different tragedies happen at once. <laughs> Lupin transforms into a wolf because he's off his meds. Peter escapes while Sirius keeps Wolf Remus away from the kids. Sirius gets caught by a shit ton of Dementors. Harry and Hermione try to fight off the Dementors. 
Harry using the thoughts of leaving the Dursleys to live with Sirius as his Patronus fuel. Harry thinks he sees his dad cast a Patronus at him and Sirius before he passes out from the sheer pressure of 100 fucking Dementors trying to eat his soul. Yep. And <laughs> with us to discuss this incredibly sad chapter, we're so happy to welcome back Sarah Sarwar. Sarah is the art and marketing director at Autostraddle. Sarah crafts the look and feel of the site, merchandise, in-person events, Instagram account, and all paid partnership ads and sponsored content, which is too many jobs. That's my addition, not hers. When she's not spreading her sunny personality around work, she loves to get wild at a queer dance party, pending, and uh, cook elaborate and challenging meals for the first time and otherwise bask in her fabulous life in Portland, Oregon. She's also the person I'm most excited to hug IRL after the pandemic. Sarah, welcome back. Hi, I'm so glad to be back. I can't wait to hug you too. It's going to be great. It's going to be the most wonderful feeling. You give great hugs. Likewise. Yeah, I feel like once we can hug people again, I think the norm of how long a hug lasts is going to extend. Because it's just going to be like, let me hug you for two minutes straight. Yep. <laughs> no, you can't let go yet. <laughs> I'm sorry if you had some place to be. I'm going to keep hugging you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, all right all right we're already gonna get sad from the chapter let's not get pandemic sad (laughs) (laughs) okay so since we have already talked about your house and patronus on previous episodes we're just gonna get right into it so we start this newspaper off with today's pickup lines hey girl is that chapter a horcrux because it's literally ripping my soul apart (laughs) Uh, I just literally before like an hour ago me and Luke were texting about how sad this chapter is. Yeah. <laughs> I posted a screenshot of our texts on I saw it, Instagram. yeah. I was like, uh-oh. I kind of like made a little face when I saw it because I was like, I was not sad during this chapter, but maybe <laughs> I was like, oh. Exciting. <laughs> Am I, Yeah. <laughs> I was like, maybe this is good for the podcast, but I was, I, I literally wrote down this chapter is so fucking boring and short. <laughs> whoa, whoa, controversy. <laughs> but also, I was like, maybe I just need to steep myself in it, like, more. So I read, like, the chapter before it, and I was like, no, it's so still just kind of pretty chill. But I like, I like, am interested in the lens that you have, and I'm curious about it. Yeah, we'll make you cry, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, make, I want to cry today, okay? <laughs> so, we turn to the front page where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of the newspaper. Sarah, will you please kick us off? Oh, I wrote down, the tunnel feels like a a metaphor for pol- navigating poly relationships. <laughs> <laughs> how they're all in there together and some of them are like chained together and some of them are like asleep two of them just (laughs) met and are talking about moving in together already yeah (laughs) wow (laughs) yes i just feel very mind blown (laughs) 
else to say about that. Yeah. Just, like, it was a pretty, like, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't, like, explore it beyond that. I was just like, wow, this feels like being, this feels like when I was dating two people last year and then also dating, like, side dating, like, a couple and, like, another person. And just, it's pretty chaotic that they were all together. <laughs> Something about Crookshanks leading the pack also felt, like, pretty like sort of like the top that like everybody else is sort of connected to in the polycule, you know? Yeah, yes. <laughs> that is absolutely Cookshank's whole entire vibe. <laughs> oh my god. Oh god. <laughs> oh, well that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh Jesse, what do you have first? Um, my first thing was just LOL at Sirius, who is Totally on purpose, <laughs> scraping Snape's forehead against the roof of the tunnel, 110% on purpose. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we wrote down, Sirius making no effort to prevent Snape's head. It's like, <laughs> like, making no effort. I was curious what Snape's sign was, actually, because, or um, Sirius's sign was. He's a Scorpio. I literally was like, is Sirius Scorpio? Snape's head was scraping the ceiling and Sirius did not care. This is like the most like revenge fantasy of a Scorpio that I have seen. I know. And it's really funny because Snape is a Capricorn who also was here to act out his revenge fantasy. And it's like the two Uh. biggest revenge like grudge holding signs having a standoff. Uh, so listener Sarah has melted. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Now knowing that Snape is a Capricorn, I'm like everything makes so much sense now. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh my <sighs> goodness! <sighs> God, this is a good episode. We've been recording for like five minutes, and we've already hit polyamory and s. Astrology. Astrology. <laughs> We're gay, so sorry. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. Cool. So I while reading this chapter was like I so I recently watched the never ending story, so it's like in my head. Mm. And you know the whole thing in that is that like what the kid is experiencing reading the book is like controlling sort of what's happening inside the book. And my first note is like if this if a never-ending story situation was happening like all of the hogwarts ground would be flooded with the tears of everyone reading this chapter (laughs) all the time except apparently not sarah but (laughs) everyone else (laughs) except for my soul's already been sucked out by a dementor so just kidding sorry that was sad like i'm sorry Jokes. I'm, I'm making jokes. Yeah, no, we need that. <laughs> That's true, though. So probably gonna get in this also, I'm sure, in uh, editorials. But I just, I love nothing more than series being like, oh, you know, if you wanted to live with me, you could. You know, it's an option. I don't want to like. You could think about it. Here's like, I'm already packed. Let's go. <laughs> 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 I will meet you at the train station in a week and a half. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a place for us to live? I don't even care if you do. <laughs> right. He's like, we can go like the ditch, wherever. It's I, fine. Like, I will his money. We can just like, you know, we can find a place. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> my favorite part is the part where he's like just laughing to himself about how the Dursleys will react when he's like, I'm going to live with that murderer you saw on TV. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny. <laughs> I feel like there's like a meme or a TikTok about people like skateboarding or rollerblading into a place and then like quitting and then like skating or rollerblading out. And I'm just like imagining Harry like his little like 90s like skates and like sunglasses being like out. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> all right here's my last thing it's actually i need you guys to watch a um a little video what Mm. multimedia component we get a description of a of what dementors faces look like in this chapter which is horrifying however it is also the same as what the description of the worst monster in the entire doctor who universe looks like So I just need you, you don't have to watch very far, but I just need you to take in this costuming for a moment. You want me to watch a scary video? No, it's not scary. Ah! Oh my god, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's not scary. Ah, gross! (laughs) How do I not remember this episode? Maybe I've just blocked it out of my memory. It's from the Sarah Jane Adventures. It's not from Doctor Who. This show actually looks... Really great. I it is really, it. it is really great. But that monster is a recurring. Oh it's like God. the bad guy of that season, and that is the worst <laughs> costume. <laughs> Listeners, I will link to it in the show notes. Honestly, you can just look up Sarah Jane Adventures, the Trickster, and you will see. It. <laughs> it's so like, I don't know. It just looks like they cinched like a burlap sack over his face and like attached like it to his lips some, like pantyhose with like weird batting <laughs> and then right just like cinched it around its mouth it's <laughs> so fucking weird looking it's like a butthole with teeth but like honestly it not is scary. a butthole with teeth you know oh i actually God. almost put in my notes that dementor mouths would sound like terrible buttholes and i'm yeah. like death buttholes <sighs> Okay. Yep. Anyway, yes, please close out of that and uh <laughs> <we can move laughs> Also, you're welcome for giving you the opportunity to look at David Tennant. I actually I do I do appreciate that. He's a he's a handsome dude. Yep. Uh Sarah, do you have Hello. anything else on the front page? I do not. Jesse? I have a few things. Am I the wait, am I the only one who has a few things? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I just also want to imagine when Harry's like, yes, I want to come live with you. Sirius is like, wait, fuck, what do kids need? Like, (laughs) do I just like chuck everything at my mom's house, like into like a trash bin? Like, what the fuck? (laughs) I think he (laughs) is assuming that Lupin will be joining them and that that's going to be like Lupin's going to help out. (laughs) Remus is a teacher. He'll figure it out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. I will have to say that Peter did a pretty good job in his escape, in which he t- one of like he takes Ron out, which is like pointless. But he also like stuns Crookshanks, who was clearly just gonna be like, "I'm gonna murder you now if I if I had been conscious." Yeah, the cat was the biggest threat to his getting away. Even though he did not need to do whatever the fuck he did to Ron, he was here. He has a broken leg, dude. Like he's not going anywhere. That's true. I know. What did he do to Ron? And then, okay, so the last thing I have is, I think this is maybe one of the few times, I mean, definitely in the 
these three books and maybe in the series that we see Hermione falter while doing a spell she like collapses pretty immediately once the dementia show up and it's like my poor baby she's also never done that spell before I felt a little bit offended that Harry was like Hermione you do it and it was like excuse you yeah that's rude she has never even attempted this spell before I mean I will say in in Harry's defense Hermione does often get most spells on the first try. That's true, but he also knows that this is a particularly difficult spell that may, many adult wizards can't do. Yeah. Witches. Many adult witches can't do. So. And he's literally been practicing all, so, you know, all year, so she probably right. just try yeah. to fucking make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> he does try, and it's really tragic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wrote down that, like, Harry trying to forge a Patronus is, like, when you're having sex and you're like, oh my god, like I like I'm on the precipice of like coming, I'm gonna or I'm gonna have an <laughs> orgasm, but like, like what if I think about this? What if I think about? Oh no, no, no! The, the, like this other thought's coming in my head, and you're just like, ah! It's <laughs> <laughs> like, and then the wisp comes out, and it's like, oh man, all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, just. <laughs> 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 making a patronus is <laughs> like trying to come you know i mean we so we didn't watch the movie but like i feel like harry does a lot of playing with his wand of the blanket in the beginning of that movie that is very mm-hmm. sexual <laughs> yeah. you know he's exploring he's exploring his teenage boyness mm-hmm. yep <laughs> We're going to go talk about politics. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the politics section where we talk about things that are fucked up. Sarah, kick us off. I don't have anything. Jesse, kick us off. Why do the Dementors have no fucking oversight? Okay, I mean, Dementors are bad enough. Like, one Dementor, two Dementors, that's fucking shitty. Uh, 100 Dementors basically show up to, like, eat Sirius's soul, and then they're gonna be like, oh, cool, here are some hors d'oeuvres I can also have. That's fine. And it's like, just, is... The Ministry just, like, be free these, like, legitimately evil, like, evil beings that, like, suck people's soul out? <laughs> like, you're not, there's not, like, some dude being, like, maybe hold off for a second? Like, nothing. There is nothing. They are basically cops. Because they have no... <laughs> they do whatever the fuck they want to truly you're right there's like these kids are in the way kill them yeah well like in the last chapter snape threatens to like call the dementors and like bring them over and i'm like wait who's controlling them and like can snape actually do that is that like something that like the teachers have jurisdiction over that they can just be like Come join us, Dementors. Like, who who actually controls them? Allegedly the Ministry, but not too, not super well. We learn later when the Dementors, you know, defect at the first opportunity. Just like cops would. <laughs> what? I said just like cops would. Oh, yeah. you passed this law? I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to enforce this law, so we're not going to enforce it. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> I feel like on a side note, Snape is definitely that person who would, like, call a cops on a black person for just existing. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that didn't come up in the last chapter discussion. I mean, we talked for three hours, and we still didn't get to everything. It's 
just the way it is. Um, no, I mean, I think that's evidenced in the fact that he, when he says he's going to call the Dementors, he's like, yeah, and I'm going to feed Lupin to them too. With Lupin as sort of our like all-purpose marginalized identity stand-in in this like piece of the of the book i think that's like all the evidence we need of what kind of person snape would be in this world yeah Mm -hmm. yeah especially since the dementors don't give a fuck and have no oversight right and no one is watching or i don't know i'm gonna say checking in on them but that's not the word i want there's yeah there's nobody it's i mean it's it's they're creatures they're like magical beings and they're just free for all like on the castle grounds and like Right, there's nobody that's saying this is the type of stuff that you can do. Like you can't like reason with them. It seems like their whole vibe is just that they get to do whatever they want. Yeah, you can't be like, "Wait, I'm a student." And they're like, "Oh no, I'm not supposed to eat you. That's not on my like uh, <laughs> permitted people to eat list." <laughs> permitted people to eat list. One of these mentors pull out a list to be like, "Okay, which one of these?" Right, because, I mean, earlier in the book, it says they've been given permission to kiss Sirius if they catch him, which implies that there is a world in which they only catch him and have been told that they're not allowed to kiss him. But if they get caught up in, you know, there's like two students kind of in the way of them getting to Sirius and they are just like, well, we'll eat you too. What does it even mean that they've been given permission? They were going to always just going to do whatever the fuck they wanted. Also, like, I imagine that these are, these Dementors are straight from Azkaban, where they do get to do whatever they want. Yeah. They should come to Portland. Wheeler would welcome them with open arms. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like the feds in Portland. Yeah. And kind of like the (laughs) Proud Boys in Portland, slash whatever. Anyway. Sucks here, everyone. (laughs) <laughs> it's not great right now if Portland's a hot fucking mess I'm, I'm sorry y'all I'm sorry I don't even have words for how shitty that is no yeah the feds were s- anyway dementors wait what Jesse? I was gonna say dementors huh yeah <laughs> how about them dementors <laughs> <laughs> uh... alright I want to talk about discrimination alright let's do it um, so for the second chapter in a row, I actually know maybe it was a while ago, whatever. Once again, we get a situation where Harry starts using the pronoun it for another being, which is as soon as Lupin becomes a wolf, Harry starts talking about the wolf as an it and no longer thinking of it as being Lupin. And my note is like, if Harry, as a person who loves Lupin, can't think of him as being still a person while he sees him transformed as a wolf. It makes so much sense that the rest of society can't think of Lupin as being a person, even when he looks like a person, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. it make, not not it makes sense as in it's understandable, but like, if even the people who are close to werewolves can't conceptualize their humanity when they're werewolves then what chance do werewolves have of having the rest of society be like no you're a real person and then of course it made me think about Buffy where we get that like werewolf hunter who kills werewolves when they're people in like season two and then also the initiative is like 
we have to kill werewolves because we can like torture them into becoming wolves and so that's evidence that they're never people yeah i made everyone make a sad face i'm sorry i mean it's the <laughs> politics section so i'm not sorry that's what yeah. we do here but <laughs> that's really fucked up yeah yeah he also i think at least once even just stops referring to lupin by name and just calls him the werewolf and it's like yeah he doesn't use lupin's name i don't think does he uh i feel like once he transforms at least once he doesn't i wasn't paying attention to see how much that continued but yeah it's like still it's still your mentor he's just having a rough time of it yeah right yeah it's really fucked up literally nothing that medication can't fix (laughs) right or apparently which we'll talk about in corrections going into the shade like Lupin should just run into the forest oh my and God. Yeah, back. <laughs> yeah yeah we'll save that we'll get to, we'll get to that uh I think the only other thing I have is just in all caps how like 12 years of serious this life just taken from him because the judicial system in this world slash judicial system in quotation marks is shitty just very angry about that still uh, my last politics, uh, Sarah, I want to talk about your favorite thing to talk about. I'm hoping that you can help me with this. Okay. So I'm going to talk about Harry's anxious attachment style <laughs> and the way that his childhood trauma has fucked up his attachment style such that he met Sirius like 15 minutes ago and is immediately so deeply bonded to him that he's like, yeah, I want to move in with you. Like, when? Right? Like Jesse said, like, I'm already packed. He literally says, do you have a house? Which I'm like, of course he doesn't have a house. He's literally been in jail and living in a forest, but okay. Yeah, no, uh, I'm actually, I'm kicking this to you because you're like well, way more well-versed in attachment styles than than I am. Like, what, in what way are you kicking it to me? Sorry. I don't know. So, like, early childhood uh, experiences form our attachment styles, right? right? So, what we see from Harry here is, like, definitely quintessential anxious attachment style. What does that mm-hmm. tell us about, like, what he experienced with the Dursleys? Obviously, like, it, it's, it's pretty clear how his, the construction of his reality is basically, like, that learning that he was a wizard and like coming to Hogwarts and all of that and like the people that he meets he bonds with as like family a lot and almost immediately because he like has so lacked that like necessary element for the first like 11 years of his life so yeah he's very anxious about it like I feel like he's he you know makes immediate lifelong friends and is very trusting I love I think it's I think it's extremely hilarious that like in the last chapter is when he found out that Sirius was like it's not just that like they just met it's like he's thought that this guy is trying to kill him for like forever <laughs> and like suddenly is super chill with the fact that like that has like it doesn't really take him very long to resolve that within himself and just be like yeah sounds great i trust you like let's do this together it is really sad to see that happen almost immediately right and i mean it's so he he goes in so hard that he 
that immediately becomes his Patronus fuel. Like, it's not just that he's excited to get away from the Dursleys. It's that he's so excited to live with Sirius that that's his happiest thought, which Mm -hmm. is (laughs) so painful. I personally hated that, that that was for a lot of reasons. I mean, it was just sad because it, like, wasn't true. And I kind of was like, is this like a foreshadowing element like obviously but also is it like that's not a strong enough like feeling it's like it's not a powerful enough feeling because i think that like it just isn't true like i don't even know why he suggested it to be honest with you like Sirius should not have been like let's do this because like he's like literally on the run and doesn't know what's going to happen after this like i don't know it just seemed kind of totally sure it seems like that he's gonna get that he his conviction will be overturned and he does that's have a true house. like he inherited his parents house. oh that's true he does have a house and he's like rich like he's old money yeah he could sell that house and buy a cute house that's true have you a house it's like yeah house. <laughs> <laughs> he's like it's haunted and terrible but i have a house <laughs> and harry's like great it's like full of terrors but you're gonna love it yeah. I mean, listen, in this economy, owning a house, like, debt-free, <laughs> it's, it's haunted, like, whatever. It's, like, on a great street, too. Like, it's very, like, central London, you know? It's true. Sarah, I think it's interesting that, like, now your response is, like, oh, that's so horrible and sad. Because I feel like when I was first reading this book, it's like, oh, yeah, this is great. Harry could go live with someone who isn't abusive and loves him. Even though it's, like, we don't know anything really about Sirius at this point but it's like oh it's got to be better than the Dursleys mm-hmm. which I don't know what this is about me but I'm like yeah obviously <laughs> what else would you do <laughs> does he have a house he can move to he should definitely move there <laughs> yeah and I think I mean I think a part of it is like this is the person that his parents chose to be his godfather and like someone who presumably was very close with Harry when he was a baby even though Harry can't you know remember that but there is that that piece of it that's like my parents chose this person to take me in and so if he's not the person who murdered them and has been trying to murder me all year then he must be great that's implied you know yeah yeah yeah. i mean he did break out of jail to come try to protect harry i mean that's yeah. kind of great there's this part in the last chapter where sirius like explains himself and then he and Harry lock eyes and Harry doesn't look away is the sentence. And I like, that was sad. That was sad to me because it was not sad, but it was just like, it was sad because I knew it was going to happen basically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, That like that they wouldn't form a relationship right away and that it would take a second. And like, I think that, yeah, I, this part of the, the chapter is sad. It's a really short conversation between them. Um, And like most of the chapter is like this action stuff that, we can just talk about in the next section but this part is you're right it is really horrifying (laughs) it's just because it's so hopeful and we just all know what the fuck is gonna go down can i also introduce one more i had this in editorials but maybe it's politics yeah go for it so i mean we all know how the story ends but i have a question for the both of you is i mean dumbledore wouldn't allow harry to go live with serious even if it had worked out and it'd been like this peter Pettigrew is a death eater serious black was innocent all along you're free to lo- live your life and i'm just i'm just so interested what 
you think he would like Dumbledore would have done to like maneuver his little gross chess game that he's doing with everyone because he sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I feel like Dumbledore would be like, no, no, like my dear son, <laughs> you shall just stay with the Dursleys and learn more lessons about how to be a humble <laughs> and downtrodden. <laughs> <laughs> so I can keep you under my thumb. <laughs> I'm here in case you ever need like further <laughs> Dumbledore impressions. Okay, like, I feel like I want to add that to our theme So I think it's possible, not probable, but possible, since we do learn that Harry only sort of has to like check in at the Dursleys to keep the protection going. He might just have sort of switched from like spending two weeks at the Dursleys and the rest of the summer with the Weasleys to doing the same thing, but with Sirius. Mm -hmm. Is that how that works? Because it's not like Harry isn't getting, like, love and parenting from the Weasleys when he's there. That's true. So it's like, you know, he has to renew the protection. He has to be reminded that he's an abused child and, like, re-traumatized just by showing up at the Dursleys and living with them for a minute. But then he can leave again. So, you know, Dumbledore might have allowed that. But I see, I don't, I can't imagine Sirius or Remus being okay with that. You know? Even if Dumbledore was like, here's the reason. Blood magic. Do you think he would tell them the reason? Is I think my... Yeah, because it's not like a huge... That's fair. It doesn't feel like a huge thing to just be like... Although it's like, if it's not a huge thing, why hasn't he just told Harry that already? Because it, like, it would make Harry feel a lot better, I think, to understand why he has to go back. Yeah. I mean, heaven forbid Harry have any joy in his life, apparently. Right. And I guess there is a difference between like going to your friend's your friend's house and being parented by their parents and like having someone that you consider to be your parent in terms of like how his self-confidence and like development would potentially shift. So maybe Dumbledore wouldn't let him go live with Sirius. He'd be so much more confident. I don't know. Secure. Mm. Yeah. Secure. Attachment style. <laughs> <laughs> We could have had it all. Yeah. (laughs) See, we told you it would make you cry about this. 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 You guys did it. This episode. Hugh Adele's rolling in the deep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh god. Welcome to advertisements, where we ask you for money and then make you laugh. I remembered what we do here since last time I did one of these. Uh, all right. Calling all lovers of queer media. The Gaily Prophet Patreon offers an abundance of funny, witchy, queer content for just $7 a month. If you enjoy things like fanfic about Lupin as a stern daddy to Sirius's bratty bottom, listening to us talk about how we think time travel works, and sexy comics about rare slash pairings, the Gaily Prophet Patreon is the place for you. 
Join us today at patreon.com slash thegailyprofit and get immediate access to over 100 offerings as well as our eternal gratitude. Special thanks to some of our newest patrons, Gabriella, Tam, Susan, Athena, Cassius, Penelope, Kez, Ivy, Columba, Rebecca, Kestrel, Jay, Elijah, Trace, and Riddis. Next up, Dementor exposure can have a variety of side effects, including chills, sadness, abject despair, or even loss of soul. Luckily, there's a product that can help. Special Patronus Activating Memories, or SPAM, is a device that once opened floods the user with a sense of joyfulness that makes creating a Patronus a breeze. The single-use canisters are small enough to slip into even the weirdest robe pocket. So if your town is full of government-sanctioned, soul-sucking monsters, get your spam today. This product is not FDA-approved and may cause side effects such as blissful hallucinations and involuntary orgasm lasting for up to four hours. If you experience any of these side effects, please contact your doctor immediately. Spam may be addictive and should only be used as needed. Spam. It's a miracle in a can. Lark! Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> that was amazing. Was, was was that really just just about poppers? Because I feel like that's <laughs> I was like, is this about the magic wand? <laughs> oh, so many options. I like poppers. It's hilarious. It is most reminiscent of poppers. I think. <laughs> I saw a TikTok recently of someone who spilled poppers on a mask that he'd wore to work and hadn't realized that he had spilled poppers on it until he was at work. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, fun. Sounds great. That is very fun. Uh, Try not to spill poppers on your your masks, everyone. (laughs) Spilling poppers on a mask. A 2020 problem. (laughs) What to say? Welcome to Editorials, where we rant about stuff. Maybe these are... Okay, now that I'm looking at these, I'm like, should I have done these in the front page? But I feel like we could make them into editorial. I'm not really good at ranting, sorry. Very unranty as a person. (laughs) Okay, can we talk about, like, Crookshanks being a top? Can we, like, go back there for a second? (laughs) Yes. Okay, so, like, Kirkshanks leading the pack. Like, Kirkshanks is, like, in, in on the action. Kirkshanks presses the knot on the base of the tree so that everyone can get out without getting whomped by the willow. Like, Kirkshank is really taking care of everybody, like, in a really, like, in a very daddy way. And, like, also causes a lot of, like, you know, there's, like, a lot of intensity around, like, Kirkshank's actions, like, I just want to, like, I want to know, I want you guys to play with this idea because I'm really, like, attached to the idea that Kirkshanks is a top. You are correct. It ha- It's in the episode that goes up on Tuesday. Uh, we had a conversation about when everyone casts Expelliarmus at Snape at the same time and how when you cast Expelliarmus, like, the wand goes to the person who casts the spell. So you would think with three people cast the spell, it would go to the strongest person but his wand goes to Crookshanks. Yes. Who just lays on the bed and is like, of course this wand landed next to me. Like, where the fuck else was it going to land? So... Ah, that's hilarious. <laughs> I feel 
Kerchick is just a daddy. Is that what we were coming yeah. to find out? Yeah. Yeah. A very tender daddy, you know. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, when he's comforting Sirius and Sirius is like, leave, he's like, I know what you need more than you know what you need and I will be staying here. <laughs> <gasps> oh my God, cutie. <laughs> what a cute daddy. Okay, that's all I had for that. <laughs> Great. He's beautiful. I'm I'm always here for the more Kirkshanks appreciation. So, mm-hmm. also, I'm pretty sure this means that the title of this episode is Kirkshanks as a daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> like how many how many episodes can i include the word daddy in in like <laughs> one chunk of a book <laughs> i think have we done it like once a book we have like so so and so is a daddy <laughs> <laughs> gay people you know gay people <laughs> <laughs> it's there's a, there's the content warning is in the name of the podcast yeah. <laughs> <sighs> all right uh, Jesse. Okay, so my biggest pet peeve of this chapter is they just fucking tie Peter up and tie him to a kid who has a broken leg and also Lupin. And why didn't they just fucking stun him? Like, Snape had just passed out. Or they could have make him go back to being a rat and put him in a fucking jar. Like, what is yes. this loosely manacled to one another bullshit? <laughs> To someone who literally has a bandaged leg and cannot walk. <laughs> and someone who knows that he didn't take his werewolf potion that night. It is <laughs> the most ridiculous thing. It's just it's just like a literal string of bad ideas. It's, <laughs> it's so fucking absurd. It's infuriating. It's so it's so annoying. Yeah. It's just like, when you say string, that's exactly what it feels like they're being tied together as. Like, I know they have, like, or with. I know they have monocle or manacles or whatever. Monocles. <laughs> they're all wearing <laughs> monocles. together with monocles. Just, like, randomly. <laughs> um, you know, impractical but hot. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it does feel like they're tied up with string. It's just such a bad idea. I mean, they might as well be. This one person can literally turn into a small creature and escape, so. Yeah, stun him. They told, (laughs) stun him! They told Pettigrew that, like, if he transformed, they would kill him. But, yeah, just doesn't seem like the best, you know, solutions were being being come up with in that moment. See, and, like, a few chapters ago, I solved the issue of, like, the clouds parting and the moon shining and... Lupin becoming yeah. a wolf by being like they exit the tree just as the sun dips below the horizon and the moon comes out right it's like very easy to think of a more canonical like not fucking because plot reason yeah. stupefy Pettigrew people wake up from stupefy eventually on their own yeah stupefy him Lupin's a wolf everyone's freaking out they're not thinking about it because he's stupefied he comes to he turns into a rat he runs away like I fixed your problem like this I should not I should not have to do this write your book better (laughs) you terrible fucking human being JK Rowling (laughs) like it's just not hard it's not hard 
And we're going to talk in corrections about the fact that they literally couldn't have gotten out of the tunnel that way. So it's like problem (laughs) upon problem with this fucking plot device. I was actually thinking about that. And yes, I'm glad we're going to talk about in the corrections. Because like, yeah, just so many, so many plot holes and things that like, really? They should have just turned him into a rat and then tied him up and then put him in someone's pocket. Right. (laughs) Something. They make a little bit, a little bit of like netting or something. Like he's not fucking going anywhere. Rats are like a half a pound. Like, yeah, you could just squeeze him hard enough. Honestly, <laughs> I think yeah. Like the idea of like stunning him and then making him float next to Snape it just seems like you're already doing it with one person. Why don't you just do it with somebody else? Like. What's this weird trio like the solution, of people? You literally wrote the solution into the chapter and you just like didn't, you couldn't even see it. It was in front of your face the whole fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. And like, okay. And if this book was better written, you could even, you could have taken it to the next step where you could have had like, let's say the manacles like tighten around like your, like they magically shift against your skin or something. So like, Lupin's a fucking werewolf, also chained to Ron, who's also now chained to Pettigrew. And you're like, oh, if we take the manacles off, we could we could subdue Lupin from not attacking Ron. But then Pettigrew's going to get out. And then what the fuck? And it could have been like some actual, what is it called? Like plot tension to be like, oh, fuck, we're in this like, situation that we have to like actively deal with. And both these, both the solutions are bad. Yeah, like you have to choose between Ron being eaten and Pettigrew getting away. Oof, yeah. Yeah. Totally. But you'd you'd have to be, you know, more than a middling grade writer to do that. How How great would it have been if Hermione, when Pettigrew got away, had just whipped out the time turner and been like, it's okay. We can time travel. Let it let him run. Just we're gonna hop back and we'll get him in the woods. It's no problem. Cause then they wouldn't have to hide because everyone would be prepared. And so the whole issue of like you're gonna kill your double would not be there. Yeah, exactly. Also Hermione would not kill her double. No, she wouldn't. It's not a it's not a real reason. I know. To not to not catch Pettigrew. <laughs> but that's for a later chapter. Anyway, we're on a timeline. My first editorial says Harry and Sirius and Harry and Sirius and my whole heart. Because <laughs> it's just so sad. <laughs> it's, I mean, Harry, like, on the ground trying to cast his Patronus being like, Sirius is going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And I'm going to go live with him. And it's going to be so fucking great. And he's trying to just protect not just himself, but his best friend and, like, his new found dad and it i man oof i just in what is clearly a losing battle because even though harry is doing phenomenally well against 100 dementors he's still i would said 12 he's still like 13 (laughs) he knows four spells (laughs) right and the this feeling of i'm gonna go live with sirius is so strong such a strong happy feeling for him that it's not until he's about to pass out that he hears his mom screaming like even though he's not casting the patronus (laughs) gotcha there she goes (laughs) stop 
stop trying to murder me. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking tragic. I think I think literally my notes in my book was just like once I get to that part, I just had like kill me. <laughs> I'm just like just just like twi- just like twisting the knife where you're just like, oh my god. And especially after the high of being like, oh my god, Harry's maybe gonna live with someone who's not terribly abusive to him. Awesome. And then you're like, oh no, you're gonna, you're gonna get eaten by a fucking dementor kid. I know. Well, I'm proud of myself for making Sarah sad about the chapter. Um, (laughs) All right, Sarah, what's your next one? Okay, I'm going to lighten the mood a little bit because I was invited to the last chapter, but I couldn't make it. And the last chapter was all about, like, how everyone was, like, wanting to fuck each other, right? That was, like, kind of the vibe. Two chapters ago, yeah. Two chapters ago, yeah. I was like, the last chapter didn't feel that way. But, yeah. Um, so, okay, so I have, a, I have a thought. This is probably also a front page. Um, sorry. But, okay, do you think that there's, like, in the Wizarding World, there are, like, role plays of the Dementor's Kiss? <laughs> do you think that people pretend to perform it, like, in a sexual way? <laughs> yeah. You know, because, like, queer people love being low-key murdered, like, during sex, like some do. <laughs> And, like, so, like, <laughs> death is, like, a, a natural part of, like, queer sex. And, like, it's you kind of a form of breath control in a way. It's like, ah, oh, no, my soul is being sucked out of my body. Um, also, like, <laughs> a bad, you know, a bad, like, side, um, side, side part of this sexual act would be, like, your partner is, like, you know, performing the Dementor's Kiss and then have to, having to whisper, like, horrible things. Like your the most horrible fears that you have in your ear. It's like very kinky, you know. If you think about it, it's extremely kinky. I mean, this guy. <laughs> yes, I feel like to answer your question, yes, there would definitely be sex clubs and people definitely into that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like the Adventure's Kiss is just like breath play, and I'm pretty sure that like you know, couples in the wizarding world who, like, you know, aren't close to this type of action, maybe, are just like, ooh, like, what's that about? Like, what if I... <laughs> right. What if I suck your soul out tonight, you know? Who among us doesn't love having things said to us during sex that we would never allow to be said to us in real life? Like, of course people would be into that. Agree. Yeah, I definitely feel like it would definitely... Yeah, people who are into, like, you know, like, some power play stuff would definitely also be into... People who are into... People who are... (laughs) Firmly believe that there is not a person in this world who is not into power play. That might be because I am mostly only surrounded by queer people. However, it's like... I just feel like probably everyone, if they try it, is into power play. That's fair. It's really fun. I feel like... I also feel like it's something that I didn't personally get into until later in my sexual like life. Like the more partners I had, the more I considered that like that was like something that would be fun. Mm-hmm. And so like I think that that's also there's a weird correlation with data like on our auto straddle survey where like that is true that the more partners somebody has, the kinkier they are, which I thought was like an interesting thing i think it's like the longer you have sex or the more partners that you have like the more you're like willing to like try things because you have like a lot of different types of partners you know so then you like you know perform the dementors kiss one day like in bed and it's just like (laughs) 
I think also potentially the more the more you have sex or the more with you know whether it's with like a few people or a lot of people the more you learn to communicate your desires and like hopefully learn to communicate around consent because I mean I feel like for me learning how to like experiment or like get into more like kinky stuff or whatever came with having a sexual relationship that I felt like safe in it's mm-hmm. like you have to feel really safe in order to intentionally make believe feeling unsafe if you actually feel unsafe yes. it's not fun to engage in like unsafe like play in sex mm-hmm. so even if you're having sex with like strangers as long as you are like I know how to have conversations around consent that make me feel safe in this situation you're gonna feel presumably comfortable enough to be like these are the things that I want to do yeah 100 percent. because I definitely that's true for me as well like in long-term partnerships those are the relationships that I feel the most comfortable being like these are the kinky things that I'm into and yeah trust is a huge part of that and like having conversations about it Definitely don't just perform the Dementor's Kiss without, like, seeing if that's a kink that, like, you know, your partner also has. Yeah, don't also just show up with a robe and, like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) expecting it's going to happen. You really got to talk it out first. I just realized that would be part of it, too, is, like, the lowering of the hood would be totally part of it. (laughs) Also, chocolate is aftercare. I'm just saying. It sounds great. Oh, Oh, my God. What, What aftercare? Chocolate. chocolate is aftercare oh uh, yeah that's really cute role playing. oh my god and switches could like use expecto patronum as like their their like you know key f- or their not safe word but their word for like we're switching roles now oh <laughs> that is hot that's also a hot it's a hot safe word too it's like very relevant yeah it is that's the perfect safe word uh, I just want to say, Jesse, I am constantly in awe of your ability to participate in these conversations without giving away anything about your private life. Like, I, whenever I'm editing, and we have these conversations a lot, whenever I'm editing, I'm like, wow, Jesse is like a closed book and yet somehow actively contributing to these conversations, which is a skill. <laughs> As a Gemini, I'm extremely intrigued. I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> Get away from your mic, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I got too close. It's just like typical day for me. So. Oof. All right. See, it was a rant. You did a great job. Okay. Um, Jesse. Okay. So I don't remember which episode i think it's a couple episodes ago we talked about like why sirius would suggest switching secret keepers and so it occurs to me in this chapter that if sirius was a secret keeper and like a death eater or someone had murdered him and then got into the potters there would be not anyone and not like not anyone but like who would look after harry you know and if there was definitely some kind of like whatever was going on between like sirius and remus where they they weren't communicating about the whole secret keeper thing so it's sort of like, did he switch? Because he was like, well, if one of us lives, you know, someone has to take care of teeny Harry. I feel like that probably makes sense. I also feel like we just so effectively 
ripped apart the idea of the secret keeper spell in our episode with Robin and Bayana that I'm like, all I can see when I think about it now are all of the just terrible, terrible plot holes that we exposed. And so I'm that's, thinking about fair. it only through that context. And so I'm like, no, it doesn't make sense. Nothing makes sense. The whole thing doesn't make any sense. I mean, yeah, the secret keeper <laughs> stuff in general doesn't make any sense. So. All right. My last editorial is that it is so ironic that the thing that you have to focus on to produce the spell that drives away Dementors is a Dementor's favorite food. Like, they want to eat your joy, and you have to focus on joy to summon a Patronus. So, like, the closer a Dementor is to you and you're trying to cast that spell, the harder it's going to be to cast the spell and the more enthusiastically the Dementor is going to be approaching you. It's just, like, a terrible, terrible paradox. That's so true. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. It's like the opposite of that thing where like complementary plants grow together, like poison ivy grows next to jewelweed and jewelweed like counteracts poison ivy rash. It's the opposite of that. Yeah. Also, that's really cool. I didn't know that 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 those two things grew together. Yeah, neither did I. They do. There's like several things in nature like that. That's really weird, but amazing. The more you know. Um. Okay, I don't know how to really describe it, but personally, I hate Quidditch chapters. I think we've talked about this before because, like, J.K. Rowling is really bad at describing action, in my opinion. Like, I don't know if y'all feel this way, but I often feel very confused by the way that she's, like, putting things together. And, like, I don't, like, I think part of it is, like, the, the, the like, manacles thing. Like, her, like, deciding, like like, how action takes place or... I don't know, it's it's like hard for me to actually clarify, but the feeling I have when I read her action scenes or her like scenes with like a lot of a lot a lot of like plot points are being like sort of like happening at the same time is that mm-hmm. I'm not really sure if she is super good at at leading the reader through them mm-hmm. in a way that feels like clear. I think it's a side effect of being transphobic is just that you're like really bad at your job. <laughs> just comes with comes with the territory yeah 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 i think you're probably right i tend to not care about action scenes like generally that's one of the biggest places in all books that i like read too quickly and like miss things is because i'm like i don't care um like whether it's like the lord of the rings or harry potter i'm just like a fight is happening. I don't care. <laughs> yes, me too. That's probably it. it's just preference, but but a thing that is interesting. So I don't feel that way when I read Carry On, and I didn't know why until I read Fangirl, which is like what led to Carry On, right? And it's about someone writing fanfic, and so you get to witness the character's writing process, which is also obviously Rainbow Rowell's writing process. <laughs> And she is like, she talks about, Kath, the character, talks about having to, like, remember where a character was standing and how. And, like, being very consistent about tracking people's locations in a room and whether they're sitting or standing and what kind of stance they're doing. And things flow so well because what you're imagining in your mind never gets jumbled because the passage never gets jumbled. 
Like if someone Mm -hmm. is sitting in a chair, they're never, ever suddenly standing. And I don't think that that's consistent in like in most writing. I don't think that you find that people are so attuned to what the physical bodies of their characters are doing. Mm -hmm. So I think part of it is probably is probably writing for sure. And also I think action scenes are boring. Yeah. And I'll take any opportunity to criticize JK Rowling. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, writing, I don't know. I feel like I remember reading somewhere about like one of the hardest thing to do as a writer is to move a character across a room. Cause like, you don't want it to be boring and it's like, so-and-so walked across, you know, but like if you're, having a scene but you're like okay how do i move you out of this in like across the room without it being boring it's actually very hard and like yeah in an action scene you have like people's bodies are doing a thing and you're moving and you kind of have to like i don't know know how say a fight scene works and like how you're gonna be like moving i guess yeah you kind of have to choreograph it like you're writing a stage play like you have to do scene blocking i think if you want it to to really flow. Thank you. This confirms all of my suspicions. <laughs> yes, you are correct. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, this is just me being, of course, incredibly biased, but I feel like it's a little bit easier in fan fiction, especially for like television and movies. Cause like if you're writing a scene where there's like movement or action, you can kind of be like, I can just watch this scene over and over. Like I can watch a scene that's similar over and over again and kind of be like, all right, so you're gonna swing your sword downward and the person's gonna fall over and then you gotta like walk over that person to go on to the next whatever i mean i think to make it not boring you just need a thesaurus like just don't be lazy and it won't be boring yeah. use strode a lot you know <laughs> like yeah just and also like description like sights and smells and the character's feelings and you then you kind of don't have to be like and then he walked across the field <laughs> You could be like, he didn't like all the mud in his boots, but it didn't fucking matter because the dude he wanted to kill was straight ahead. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've read a lot about how the art of writing because I'm trying to write stuff. That's cool. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, these books are terribly written is what it all comes down to. Yeah. It's, like, it's just kind of like bad writing stuff sometimes. Yeah. yeah like why does... Sirius have scratches on his back when a two paragraphs up, it's like they were jaw to jaw. That's not even where yeah. animals attack each other. It'd be on his neck. Maybe yeah. they were passionately embracing <laughs> while they were jaw to jaw. Here's like, this is an interesting way of subduing him, but I guess it's working. Anyway. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> They're making out again. Yes, uh, Jesse. <laughs> I just have one short rant, which is why the fuck Harry and Hermione just didn't split up. <laughs> like, they both go run after Sirius and the Dementors. Yeah, totally. Hermione just could have ran to the castle and been like, I need so much help right now. <laughs> yeah. Or run after Pettigrew. Or run after Pettigrew, yeah. Because Hermione definitely knows a spell to stun a fucking rat. Yeah. And to find a fucking rat. Yeah. Or to, like, 
wake up Crookshanks to go find the fucking rat. So yeah, this that that is definitely in Hermione's uh, wheel set. In the wheel set, Jesus wheelhouse wheelhouse of skills. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, wheel set better. <laughs> it's in her wheel set. Yeah, it's uh, in her wheel set. It's like tires, bicycle wheels, you know, cheese yeah. wheel. <laughs> Spell wheel. Anyway, anything was better than just like leaving Ron and going towards the Dementors and not away from them. Absolutely. Like, oh, just because Sirius yelped in the distance, you're going to go run after Harry? No, Hermione's, she just wouldn't do that. That's a really, really good point. She was just an extra body in that situation and then couldn't even, you know, cast a Patronus. Yeah. I mean, I think that she was probably panicking because this is a very high stress, what the fuck kind of situation. And the fact that they didn't, like, Harry and Hermione didn't, like, say anything. Harry just, like, took off. One of them would have been, like, oh, wait, we should we should split up or something. Or I'm going to go after Pettigrew while you do this. Or whatever. Like, it would have it would have happened. But yeah. it's, like, it's like all these things are happening and they're panicking. And it's, like, well, we got to go. <laughs> Let's go save Sirius somehow. Yep. Welcome to Corrections, where we correct stuff. Biggest correction, of course, is that Lupin turns into a werewolf once the clouds, once he leaves the Shrieking Shack into the grounds of Hogwarts and the, the clouds part and the moon is there, which is not how fucking Moonrise works. So he should have, if, if it's like affected by the full moon, like rising or else. You could just put a werewolf in a basement and they would be people. It would be fine. That's clearly not how the werewolfism works. <laughs> so I like to imagine him wrapping himself in a in like a spike blanket. His brown blanket. <laughs> He's like, Moon's not touching me, I'm good. <laughs> I mean, he, he clearly needs one of those magical thick blankets, apparently. Solar like reflective blankets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of those emergency um, like aluminum foil looking blankets. Because <laughs> like in reality, Lupin should have turned to a werewolf two chapters ago because the kids mm. were at Hagrid's at sunset and like the moon rises pretty quickly after sunset. So it does depend on like the time of year, right? Because sometimes the moon rises in the daytime. You know, like yeah. sometimes it's 4 p.m. and you can see the moon. Do you think that affects werewolves? Cause I, would I have no idea. But like it definitely, this doesn't imply that the moon just rose. It implies that the moon was fully risen and then yeah. just the clouds opened. So, yeah, no, I mean, it's just it's just a correction. Completely just a correction. I assume that it works by like the sun goes down on the night of the full moon and that's when the werewolfing happens. Mm -hmm. But we did already like deeply go into this several chapters ago and are on a time frame. So sorry, I literally don't remember any of the recordings that we've done. It's <laughs> totally know. fine. I don't know what time is. Anyway. I okay. remember them because I edit them. <laughs> so yeah, no, I mean, it's the probably the biggest correction of the whole fucking book. So it's worth investigating. Uh, so our other correction is that the <laughs> children have to crouch to go through this tunnel, which means that Lupin 
an adult has to double over to go through the tunnel like Harry does in book seven, which means that him manacled to Pettigrew, manacled to Ron, that is (laughs) not happening. It is a physical impossibility that that situation took place. It's like, it points out that they have to go sideways because it's too narrow, but that is not the biggest issue here. It's too short. (laughs) It's infuriating that's yeah they should be like dragging Snape out like on his belly essentially like a cat like you're just dragging him like a cat toy across the through this like tunnel (laughs) 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 oh my god yeah like how is this tunnel magically tall enough for like them to just walk casually yeah can you imagine walking sideways doubled fully over strapped to two (laughs) other individuals yeah like let's talk about how jk rowling really doesn't know where her characters are in space and time (laughs) exactly like this is a perfect example you could have had the tunnel be like six feet tall yeah and then we wouldn't all have to feel so fucking claustrophobic all the time (laughs) that also would be nice for that yeah. Or you could have gotten rid of the dang manacle situation that just screws up your whole plot. Yeah, the manacles seem unnecessary, especially because it's the world of magic. You could have created literally any way of making this work. Yep. Unconstrained by reality or physics or whatever. Constrained only by your lack of imagination. <laughs> yes. They have wands, you know? They could easily have performed some sort of, like, tunnel-expanding spell. (laughs) You could just vanish the dirt away. (laughs) Bye! Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. Sarah, please tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet. Hello. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at sarah.starwars. I'm on Twitter at Sar Squared, and I'm on Autostraddle. That's where you can find me. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Uh, the Gaily Prophet is produced, mixed, and edited by me, Mark Malachi Gray. Haven't said that in a while, but it is still true. You can find us on the internet on Instagram or Twitter at The Gaily Prophet or on Tumblr at The Gaily Prophet Podcast. Or on our website, which is thegailyprofit.com. Which is where also you can find our merch and or donate to us if you're so inclined. Or support us on Patreon at the at patreon.com slash thegailyprofit. Don't feel obligated to, you know, give us money. But you could totally tell your friends about our podcast and then they can listen to it and also fall in love with how cool we are. So um, tell your friends. Yeah, do that. And also leave us reviews. Reviews are great. They make us happy. They also make other people decide to listen to the podcast. Uh, You can find me on the internet on Instagram at Lark Malachi or on my website, which is LarkMalachi.com, where you can get a tarot reading from me if you want to. They're really good. Thank you. Yeah. You'll get fucked up over it, but it'll be like life changing. You'll like move somewhere else and start a new life. (laughs) I did. (sighs) 
it worked out really well. I love glowing endorsement. (laughs) (sighs) Uh, You can find me on Twitter at uh, Jesse underscore Detroit or on Instagram at live from Detroit. Our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. The music and our theme song and spoiler warning is by Kevin McLeod. Our spoiler warning is by Sarah Sarwar. And uh, until next time. Exonerate. Foot fast. Hashtag defund Azkaban. <laughs> <laughs> uh...